your world of rugby. This is the official Rugby 365 podcast. Welcome to this week's edition of Rugby 365's podcast. I'm your host, Jan de Quinning, and as usual, all the way from Paul. Lofi, Elof. Eugene, back after a short break. A lot of midweek games, uh, part of the reason behind us not having a podcast last week for those two viewers that complained. Well, it's, it's difficult to update while there's games being played. We've got a similar problem in midweek this week, but we've got a few Saturday and Sunday games that we're going to be talking about. But by and large, the recording and the, and the editing of the podcast means that by the time we broadcast, some of the topics we discussed were dated. So last week, we gave it a skip, basically just to give ourselves a break. And uh, also because of the two Springbok games, one on Friday and one yesterday that, that we will discuss in, in a bit more detail. Yes, Jan, it makes clearly sense. Um, so you said that the two viewers that complained, were there any listeners that complained? Eugene, I'm the two viewers who complained, but that was after my visit to a certain establishment on Saturday. I was seeing double. You know what? It's still being, whether you see double or triple or a single, it's all still worth it. And Jan, how great has this World Cup been up until now? But I mean, like we've also discussed, this World Cup only starts in two weeks. We might discuss later the permutations there are, but pretty much it's clear who's going to be in the playoffs. Eugene, you're right. There's quite a bit can happen in, in today and, and tomorrow and, and up until the weekend. In fact, Saturday and Sunday, is, there's some massive games, and we'll get to that. I think f- we're going to start off with discussing the Springbok team. We were very clinical in the first half against uh, Italy, and we destroyed them, and they got so frustrated they had a player red carded. We had the same scenario against Canada this week. Very clinical in the first half. We completely dominated them. Then we became sloppy in the second half. That's the only thing that concerns me is that we haven't really put together a full 80-minute performance yet. Yes, and I think if I go back to the match that was more relevant yesterday, the Canada game, I would not read too much in it. That was just a Canadian team that's got nothing, they had nothing on defence. They did not pose a threat for one second, actually in all of their matches. So the one thing that I thought we did really good, and remember for most of the time we played against 14 guys, is keep structure, especially as you mentioned in the first half. We had great structure. and But, you know, one should be very careful when you just want to chop and change after that game because, I mean, about every player in our team had a line break. The forwards had line breaks, the backs had line breaks, and we, we ran them ragged. And as you also rightfully mentioned, the red light that is sort of flagging now is the fact that we could not keep that structure in the second half. Now, it is those games, and also Italy, that you just sort of want to get it over and done with and with get away without injuries and get your points. So it's difficult against a team that just disrupts to keep your concentration levels high. But going into the playoffs, Jan, it'll be a different game. It'll be 80 minutes of concentration, 80 minutes of calculated rugby, and hopefully much more accurate skills. Perhaps now's a good time to discuss the possibility of players that, and, and it's clearly up to now that Russia has had an A team and a B team, or an A team and a, a bunch of fringe players who he played around with. And, and the question to me is, has anybody in the fringe collection or the B team done enough to force his way into the starting 15 for, or the match day 23 for the for the A team? Literally, you know, I, I think there's two positions where I, I, I've got a little bit of concern. The one is scrum off, and we got three really good scrum offs. One slightly off form, Francois de Clerc, or Faf as people call him. I think he hasn't had a, a great tournament yet. Uh, it wasn't particularly bad, but it's not the standard we, we've come to know of, of Faf. And then the other one that's slightly disappointed to me was 
uh, Herschel Yankees. And, and against Canada this week, when the game was done and dusted, we were leading by 40 points. He came on and after the match was set up for him, we didn't see all that, uh, that spark. And I know some people think he brought energy. The fact is he, he was very busy, but he threw four passes that went to no player in particular, just in the middle of nowhere. Now, you want to play yourself into the starting 15. You want to put your hand up and say, pick me. Your basics as a scrum off need, needs to be a little bit better. So I think scrum off is the one position I want to discuss. And then obviously Locke, you know, Erges Neyman has had a phenomenal tournament. Admittedly, most of his star performances were against the minnows, the, the likes of Namibia and uh, Canada this week. Uh, but I still think Erge brings something to the game. He's got great line-out skills. He's got great offload skills. He's got great carrying ability. And he also brings a certain level of energy. And, and we'll listen to what Rossi has to say about that. But I think, uh, what are the positions perhaps uh, you think that, that we should look at or players that we could look possibly look at uh, to strengthen the starting 15 for the playoffs, for the quarterfinals? Yeah, yeah, you know, that'll always be an issue. The selection committee will definitely take in consideration who we are playing and what the game plan is going to be and pick the players that are most suitable for those positions. You rightfully named that uh, there is concern about scrum off. There is concern about the, the center combination. There is concern about the outside backs. The fullback people felt that Vali LaRue was not on form. And there was concern about the, the front row, especially at tight end. So again, I want to come back to the point I made. It's very easy for a player to shine against a weak team. However, also, you have to pick players that are on form. And if you look at form, you don't necessarily look at playing against a, a tough team or a, a weaker team. It's just a player that is on form. So I think where Rossi and them have, are most probably going to have to think about is at tight head, at hooker where Malcolm as well has not really been who he was. Although I think like Vili LaRue is also a guy for the big occasion, hopefully. But um, definitely they'll have to decide who their starting tight head is going to be. And I understand your concern about the locks. And uh, again, you will have to look against the pack that we're playing against. I like Ergier Sneiman, and he deservedly got the man of the match yesterday. But he sort of shines much more uh, when the game is a little bit open, where the current locks we have, especially mostly, is a, is a, does the donkey work, you know, the hard grafting. You will not seem to shining too much outside. But I mean, the depth that we have there, they can actually pick any one of them. We still have Lourdes Jager as well. The great thing for me is uh, Sia seems to be picking up his fitness levels, which means we will be waxed in the captaincy. Peter Seftertwee picks himself, and I thought Franchelot had a great game at eight. So should it happen that Dwayne gets injured or taken off, putting Franchelot there, you still have a solid guy at eight. Nine, I think, is going to cause grey hairs. Everybody uh, wants Faf's hair to go and Reinach in. And I agree with you about Yankees and I. We discussed it before the World Cup that he was his great plays, young. Give him time to grow. You know, they build him up so much before the World Cup, you know, that he'll be the world's best. And uh, it's pressure that's on the young boy. And he's going to learn a lot from this World Cup. Pollard is starting to regain his, um, his confidence. And I must be honest with you, I actually liked what uh, the center combination yesterday with uh, Francis Stein on 12 and Dialende outside. Dialende impressed me. With his kicks, his grubber crosses that he kicked, that gave our wings opportunity to play into space onto the ball. So, and if we just summarize, and I was talking a lot now, we, we've got so much depth. In every position, we've got depth. So, it's a great headache for a coach to have. Eugene, 
you say, let's summarise. I, I, I think let's quickly run through it. Perhaps if we can look at, at Colby at, at fullback, I know, I know Russia is unlikely to change much. He's shown that he's not the type of person that chop and changes a lot. And that, uh, so it's unlikely. But personally, I would like to see Colby at fullback. And then then we've got an a, a extra option on wing. You know, we can maybe bring in an Corsi on the wing. You know, suddenly you've got two X-Factor players, two Sparkle players. And I know this is not a slight on, on Vili per se, but I, I think uh, Colby at fullback with perhaps Nikosi on the wing will, will definitely give us something in the back three that we don't currently have. Yes, Sean, but why take Colby away from where he's lethal at right wing? You know, I, I've been, as a coach, at that choices to make as well, to make a, a change, to take a player out of his prime position to get the happy mix or the right mix. I will not take him away. He's lethal at right at right wing. I will, you know, look at other considerations. Halan showed a lot yesterday when the game is open. And knowing Rossian is thinking, he's got a conservative outlook and, and he will not take gambles in a game like this. I would like to see Colby to stay where he is. And then are you saying also we stay with the centre combination, the Allender and M? Well, the thing is, it all depends. That's a very good question. It all depends who we play against. M, as we know, is a great centre uh, and they combine well, him and the Allender. And I guess that's the, that's the combination that Rossi will go with because they've basically done enough. The Allender has had a good tournament so far. They've done enough to be in the starting lineup. I, I just thought that having two big, strong centres like we did yesterday would be very powerful if you play against a powerful backline like England, for instance. And then obviously finally scrum off. My vote would definitely go to Reinach because uh, apart from the X factor, which we, we know he brings, I think his kicking game is far superior. Uh, we know Foff has been struggling with his kicking game the whole tournament and Yankees had, had his moments. But uh, I, I think Reinach, who's, who's, especially in a tight game, and, and he's proven himself to be reliable in tight games, in Europe, perhaps Reinach with a more trusted kicking game is the guy to bring, and, and he has that variation and, and, and the options uh, as a starting scrum off in a tight game. Yes, and I think after yesterday's match, he's given himself a good opportunity to be that, that player, but I'm sure the, the selection staff will go look what they want to achieve against Japan or whoever we're going to play in the, in the quarters. And I think you, you touched on the loose forge already. Uh, I, th I think Rossi has proven himself and we know the starting loose trio, even though we might, some of us might want to look at, at, at a bit of variation, uh, it'll be Dwayne, Sia and uh, Peter Steff. Yes, Jan. And, and again, going on yesterday's game, I don't know whether, whether there's a problem with it. To me, Kwaha has sort of disappeared. He was not the regular Kwaha that we know that were popping up onto the ball and running onto the ball. He, to me, was very quiet yesterday. And then looking at Locke, and I understand your reasoning for wanting to stick with the grafters like It's a Bit and Franco Mostert, and it's a very good reason. And then bring in uh, Ergia later in the game when, when the game does open up, when it is in, the, in that last quarter, and, and Ergia does bring you that, that X factor. So I understand that. So perhaps that's the reason. We'll, we'll listen to what Rossi has to say now. I think it's, it's important that we listen to what Rossi has to say. So before we listen to, to Rossi's views on this, I think it's important just, Eugene, who would you start at tight end? I mean, obviously, Bongi and, and Marxist, uh, maybe Bongi has just sneaked ahead of, of Marx as a starting hooker. But who would your tight head be? Well, on the current form, and I just think I would start with Vincent Koch. I like his scrummaging. I like his, uh, especially his grafting off the ball. So he would be my first choice uh, just ahead of France Maladba. But I, uh, France is sort of getting his form back. So uh, that's also 
a tight call, but it's, it's again good to have that caliber of tightest available still. So you would start with the front row that started against Italy, Beast, Bongi and uh, Koch? No, no, no. Yana's matches, I, you know, look at combinations and stuff. I think our strongest scrummaging, because that's where it's going to start scrumming, I will go for Kitzhoff, Marks and Koch. I think we all have our own opinions, and uh, and I'm sure our listeners will, will have their views, and, and some of them uh, freely share it with us, some vigorously, some not so vigorously, and we enjoy the views of our listeners. But let's listen to what Rossi had to say. I think let's start with his views on Ergia, you know, the, the guy that I think made a strong case for starting at lock. Let's listen to what Rossi had to say about Ergia and, and his performances so far. No, he played well, and I guess it's um, almost always... See everything in context. The stiffer the opposition is, the, the less time you get for decision making. The higher the pressure is, the more the, the higher the stakes is. You know, so it's always in a game like this, especially with a team who gets a red card against you. You know, uh, they can't have the same line speed. They've got a forward down because they're 14 men. I don't want to take anything away from Arche because he was phenomenal. He was fantastic. I thought he had made great decisions. He didn't always look for the offload. He sometimes just carried really hard, which was really hard before he tried for the offload. So I thought he had a nice balance in his game. But, you know, then again, we can't look at this specific game against Canada and say the moment you go into quarterfinal mode, so you play against New Zealand, England, the pressure and the decision-making and the timing is, is totally different in a game like we play tonight. So, yes, he was fantastic, and that's why he's always been in the mix in the A-side, if we can call it that way. And it was good to get him through an 80-minute shift today. I thought he contested well in the line-out, he scrummed well, he mauled well. So, yes, he had a good performance. Yes, Jan, you can hear Russ is also calculated and he understands this game in the sense that don't read too much in what happened yesterday. We cannot go into the playoffs picking the wrong players for the wrong reasons. So we need to also look at the history and also look at what we want to achieve. But uh, I think he's got a spot on. Gina, the other position that, that we touched on is a scrum off. I think that's, that's perhaps the one position where we might expect a change or certainly I would I would like to see a change. It's not personal, but I just think uh, Kubis Reinach has done enough with his opportunities to, or he certainly put up his hand and said, pick me. So the one player that said, so let's listen to what Rossi said about Reinach himself and exactly what his chances are of making the A team in the playoffs. Kubis, obviously, um, I think he's, everybody knows his X Factor. I mean, I've knew his dad well and, and we all know the moment he sniffed uh, some space you know he's got exceptional speed and he's a guy that didn't get a lot of game time so far with us especially since I've been the coach uh, he's never been in the mix just in the World Cup you know even in the world and build up to the World Cup uh, he wasn't part of the test matches in the rugby championship so he's a guy that you know when he gets space and speed and he's got good anticipation he's away and I think I think it's the fastest hat-trick probably that I've seen at a World Cup I'm not sure if it, if it is but it's it was pretty fast. And yes, he's very opportunistic. So we're fortunate to have three uh, quality nines like that. And I'm glad he did well. And I think between him, Faf and, and Herschel, we've spread the workload really nicely now. And luckily, there's no injuries currently with them. Yes, I think Reinach did enough to put up his hand, definitely for that number one spot. And I'm glad I'm not a selector to pick the scrum off into the first game. He had a great game. He actually had great games on tour so far. So I think he's going to be a very strong contender for that position, Jan. Eugene, then finally, the Springboks have completed their pool matches. They played all four games. They've got virtually a 10 to 12 days before the, the quarterfinals. So they've got lots of time to prepare. And, and they, they're sitting back a bit for a couple of days. And then they start planning. And, and it gives Rassi, apart from the fact that we'll get to this weekend's games now, apart from the fact that he gets to watch the opponents like... Scotland, like Japan, like Ireland, 
or their possible quarterfinal opponents. He gets to watch them this weekend and prepare properly. So Rossi uh, has plenty of time to prepare his team. So let's listen to what Rossi thinks about what's going to happen in the in the final round of matches and what his plans are ahead of the the quarterfinals and how he'll spend the the next ten days or so planning for the quarterfinals. Which obviously, as we know, you know it's it's a one-off game from now on. You know, no more freebies. If if you if you lose now, but it's by one point or hundred points, you're out of the tournament. In terms of the guys put up their hand, I think out of the squad of 31, currently we don't have a player that won't will not be available for the playoffs. That's that's a, we've got a clean bill of health, so that's nice. But uh, we'll go and look at this game and, and look at the individual things and see who are our quarterfinal opponents. Because you know, if it's Japan, they bring a different game. If it's Ireland, they bring a different game. The one is aerial, the one is phases, the one is nice. PD fast guys, the other one is forward dominant. So, and if it's Scotland, can still be one of those teams. So, it's difficult to say yes. This guy put up his hand because the opponents will, will play a big role in how we will select our team. We'll enjoy this next two days off. Watch the weekend game for, for a lot of interest. Do our homework and and then just buckle up and, and prepare as well as we can for the quarterfinals. It was good to see France go another 18 minute and handling the pace and speed of Test match rugby because I, I think sometimes it's tough to come from French league. Although I always knew France had the talent and the desire and the competitiveness and those kind of things. It was good to get C after a proper 80, playing the standard of rugby that I know he can play. That was a, was, a, was a positive again. And then, you know, it was interesting when we had four flies on the field, when it was Damien and France and, and Andre and Elton, how, how we spread the ball really wide under the same conditions, which were slippery. We could really move the ball around. Yes, I, I think we learned a lot. But again, the moment your decision-making gets cut down about with quick lines, speed and pressure and quarterfinals, semifinals, things change, you know, so there was some really nice, good things to see. I thought our lineouts again, I think we haven't lost the lineout ball so far in, in, the, in the World Cup, again, with Skulk playing hooker this, this game, so I think we're in a good position when it comes to personnel, but from now on, it counts for nothing, you know, if you lose the next game, you're out of here, so, so we must prepare really well. I think it's a, it's a great tool for a coach to have a two-week break before the next matches. I know there are two theories or two schools of thought about it. One is it's too long. The other is, is, is it's good. I believe it's good. I think it's it's a great strategy to give them some off-the-feet time that they can just get away from the rugby, do a bit of shopping and uh, spend time with their loved ones and, and fans out there. We've got a lot of fans out there. And regroup again. And then because now we're going into the final straight, there's no margin for error. I think it's pretty much clear-cut who we're going to play in the playoffs. It seems it's going to be Japan. I like his theory that he's preparing for possible three. I think it's going to be very difficult for Scotland to sneak in. I'm watching them as we talk. Although they are 21-0 up, they're still a team that I think that will be in the playoffs. I believe we're going to play against Japan. And I won't be surprised if, if Russia needs analysis team hasn't already started preparing and looking at what they do and what they don't do. And I'm sure they've got that under control. And, and I mean, a few weeks ago, they did Ireland. So Ireland hasn't changed a lot. So we've got enough information on those teams and enough time after this weekend's matches to prepare for the team that we're going to play in the quarters. Well, Eugene, perhaps now's a good time to quickly look at, at Saturday and Sunday because Saturday and Sunday's games, obviously we can't look at the midweek matches, as we said, because uh, we're sitting with a situation where by the time the podcast comes out, some of the results are out, so it's difficult. But I, I think the important part is, is the, the, the big game, uh, and, and that will be decided at the very last pool match of the, of the weekend. Sunday, Japan plays Scotland. And as you rightfully said, you know, Japan, 
Japan, after three matches, got 14 points. Ireland, who play Samoa on Saturday, will sit on 11 points. So, so they can book their place and, and basically put pressure on Scotland, who will have 10 points after the midweek matches. So Japan and Scotland is basically going to be in a straight shootout for that other place in the, in the quarterfinals. And Japan has, has a possibility of finishing top and will then face us in the, in the quarterfinals. So your assumption is, is probably close to the mark. But we will only know that on Sunday, late on Sunday, the final after the final match of the pool stages, when Japan plays Scotland, it's going to be massive, a massive game, especially in Japan. Japan against Scotland to decide who goes through. Yes, and uh, it's going to be very physical, uh, Jan. It's going to be a tough game. And a week after that, they are one of those two teams are playing us, I believe. And then we can say it's game on for the World Cup. One game on Saturday that will be of some interest, uh, given how we destroyed Italy last week. We'll be New Zealand playing Italy on Saturday, and we expect New Zealand to comfortably win and top the pool. We, we don't expect New Zealand to not get five points out of this game. But what I want to see is, is perhaps, are, are they more clinical than we were against uh, Italy? You know, we were clinical against Italy in the first half, and as we've spoken, you know, then we got a bit sloppy. Will New Zealand be that sloppy, or will New Zealand go full out for the kill or will they take the foot off the pedal and, and avoid injuries once they've got the, the bonus point in the bag? Interesting theory is that all the big teams, when they played the sort of what the so-called minnows, were pretty sloppy. Even New Zealand playing Namibia was pretty sloppy in the beginning, and, and Namibia actually uh, played good rugby in that first off. So I think uh, going getting closer to the playoffs, they will be more clinical. It's going to be a formality. New Zealand will not do monkey tricks. They will not play expansive. They'll keep it simple. And I guess they'll also give some of their backup players a run and just get the game over and done. Eugene, the other, the other important game or significant game on Saturday that's worth looking out for is England against France. Both teams already qualified for the quarterfinals. So Argentina obviously can't catch either of them. They're both going through already to the, to the quarterfinals, but they're playing for first place in their pool. And obviously then the significance of who they play in the playoffs. So whether it's Australia or Wales, in the playoffs. So England against France on Saturday is going to be an, an interesting game. You know, can France finally put it together or will England continue the unbeaten run at the tournament? I think uh, England will keep their structure. They'll keep their composure. They'll start the slow poison from the kickoff. France don't enjoy playing against England because they keep it so slow and they keep the game boring. And there's not a lot of balls that lie around that they can counterattack with. Eddie Jones is too cunning not to go into this game with a serious conscience that they need to top the table and they will want to top the table. So it's a great game. I'm looking forward to that game and it'll be it'll be great if France can actually decide but we got nothing to lose. Let's, let's throw the ball around if we get it and uh, it could be an entertaining match. Eugene, in the final match, there's one one Friday match. We'll touch on it. It'll be close to publication. So, But Australia played Georgia on Friday and Australia currently ahead of Wales and they're likely to finish on 16 points given that they're playing Georgia on Friday. Now, Wales, who've played Fiji in midweek, and I say have played because, obviously, by the time this podcast is published, uh, that result will be out. So we, we presume that Wales would have gotten their f- points from Fiji and then will be just two points outside of Australia, which means Wales on Sunday then have to beat Uruguay to go ahead of Australia and top that pool. And again, the f- team that finishes top of Pool D will play the second place team in Pool C, which means, again, you know, we, we assume that England will 
beat France on, on Saturday, which means you want to avoid England in the quarterfinals. So that is why Wales will go all out and try and top their pool. And that's why their game against Uruguay is going to be so significant. And the same with Australia on Friday. They, they need to make sure that they keep pressure on Wales by collecting all their points on, uh, on Friday. So even those two games against Minnows is going to be significant into who plays who in the quarterfinals. It is very significant, Jan, but I think it's clear-cut. Wales will be on number one in that pool and Australia number two. Eugene, there we have it. We selected Rassi's team for him. Whether he listens to us is a, another thing altogether. We've run through the permutations and it's an interesting weekend of, of rugby ahead of us. Absolutely, and I hope Rassi doesn't listen to us. He needs to listen to himself and to his advisors around him. We are just a word of reason, loving rugby and just seeing the great, talent that is displayed in the world of rugby. There you have it from myself, Jan de Quinning. And Lofi Yelof. Enjoy your week, enjoy the rugby, enjoy the last weekend of pool matches and chat to you ahead of the quarterfinals next week. Cheers.